reminding us only the power of God and His Word can change the heart. Here's Pastor Ed Ray. The thing that changed you is the only thing that will change a human heart. Nothing in this world can change a human being from the inside out except God's Word and the Holy Spirit. Not counsel, not drugs, not vacations, not mind-bending trips. There's nothing that can cure the human heart for eternity except God and His Word. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, let this world know me by your the pessimist, it said, is someone who's had to listen to too many optimists. <laughs> well, all kidding aside, it is true. Can a person really experience lasting change? Those who know the Lord and the power of His Word will tell you it's absolutely true. It's an encouraging truth in light of the growing pessimism in our world today. We want to say hello and welcome to Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. We're making our way through 2 Timothy, and in chapter 4, we are told to preach the Word. For our world needs this life-changing gospel message more than ever before, and love demands that we share it. Picking up on that point from 2 Timothy 4, verse 2, there's Pastor Ed. Care enough about other people. Love isn't love until it's given away. If you care about people, you'll want them to know people that don't know God. You'll want them to know God so they'll spend eternity with Him too. Do you care about that person? Well, yeah, I care about them, but you know, they always just blow me off when I say something. Keep saying it. I see the results of that here doing what I do every week. People that were told something years earlier, and then they'll come in and tell me about it, how it was bothering them. What did that person mean when they said that? And they'll repeat words that are Scripture, but they didn't know what it meant. God just did this thing in them. I, uh, my best friend in college, my roommate, self-sufficient guy, very wealthy family, and I told him about Jesus, and he just blew me off years after I became a Christian after college. Didn't hear from him for 30 years, 30 years. He called me, I have cancer, I'm dying. I remember what you said. Can you talk to me? <laughs> I was there and I, I prayed with him, gave him a Bible, he started coming to church here. For six months he walked with the Lord before he died. But something I had said three decades earlier had this impact on his life. So those of you that have spoken things to people, people you care about, maybe children or parents or grandparents or grandchildren, friends, pray that God would take those words and drive them home. So I'm talking about this last night in a Saturday night service, and a young man comes up to me after the service, you remember me? I said, well, yeah, actually I do. What was it, five years ago? He said, seven. He said, yeah, when you get old, you, you know, you compress time. He said, that woman over there in that child, that's my wife, and that's my son. And he teared up. Why? Because he knew that I knew what he was seven years ago when he came in addicted, and I won't embarrass him. 
because he goes to church with you sometimes. He might even be here right now. But a perfect example of something said seven years earlier, and then the Holy Spirit, at the right moment, the seed springs to life, and people respond. Be ready, in season and out of season. <laughs> this is a, an interesting little section. On all occasions, be eager to do this. Now, this doesn't mean we're supposed to beat people over the head. Uh, it just means you look for opportunities. And be naturally supernatural. Take the opportunities that come, even when you don't feel it. Well, I don't feel like talking to them about God. Well, of course you don't, because Satan doesn't want you to. He wants you to be depressed and discouraged and have it be a bad day, not in the mood, and all those other things. Uh, years ago in Boy Scouts, I remember one Boy Scout was complaining to the scoutmaster that a woman wouldn't let him help her across the street, and finally had to take her by the hand and pull her across. <laughs> and then she told him she wasn't crossing the street, she was waiting for somebody. <laughs> So there you go, you know, just be sensitive to the needs of the other person. Insulting them is not helpful. All right. The word convince is a word that means to create an interest in the other person, to pour water on a seed maybe that someone else has planted. It is elekgeo, and it means to reprove, to appeal to someone's mind and to their heart. Now, within that is a statement about respecting the other person, their intellect, and, and their position in life. To argue or reason or answer questions in a systematic, logical way, this is the way Strong's Concordance translates this, to present the gospel as evidence that cannot be refuted. What? that you and I must spend some time studying this subject to become a sharpened scalpel, a tool in God's hands. God wants you to become good at rationally explaining the good news, what God did, to people. Well, how do you do that? Well, you study some books. I mean, a little short list of ones that affected me as a brand new Christian. Evidence that demands a verdict, Josh McDowell. Still in print. There's a second volume of it now called More Evidence. Great book. Kingdom of the Cults by Walter Martin. Some of you may remember when Walter spoke here years ago in the old building. He was the great, great, great grandson of Brigham Young. So he had a great deal of knowledge about various cults, but especially Mormonism. When Skeptics Ask by Norman Geisler, a brilliant guy. The Case for Christ, Lee Strobel, biographies of missionaries, of men and women of God, like Charles Finney and Hudson Taylor and Amy Carmichael and D.L. Moody and Lottie Moon and Mary Seltzer and Billy Graham. These are people from different denominations, different theological backgrounds, but they're people who have given their life to doing this thing, preach the Word, to speak to other people, to declare, to be a herald to other people about the importance the things that are in God's Word. So, not just convince, but rebuke. And the word rebuke, epitimao, is to admonish, to correct a person's motives. It means to show honor to the person listening as you reason with them. 
Someone who needs a word that will appeal to the conscience because of the sin which is destroying him or her and hurting others. So address the conscience. God's word does. It hits us where we think, our value structure in our heart. It is a word that requires us to speak out when we may not be comfortable. That's a statement in itself, but Martin Niemeyer was a Christian in Germany throughout the Second World War. And he wrote something very compelling about rebuking other people. And here's the way he said it. In Germany, they came first for the communists. And I didn't speak because I wasn't a communist. And then they came for the Jews. And I didn't speak up because I wasn't a Jew. And then they came for the trade unionists. And I didn't speak up because I wasn't a trade unionist. And then they came for the Catholics. I didn't speak up because I was a Protestant. And then they came for me. By that time, no one was left to speak up. We need to speak up. We have one opportunity in this life. You and I are here once, and this is what God is telling us to do. Convince, rebuke, confront, and exhort, parakaleo, that's the Greek word for the paraclete, for the Holy Spirit. It means to encourage, that encourage people who are struggling in life, who are not walking with the Lord, and challenge them by encouraging them that God has something better for them. Their choices, the opportunities that they're missing are cutting them off from being and doing things that are good. Now, there's a lot of ways to encourage people that are not quite so confrontive. For example, we have a couple guys in the church that are involved in the Gideons. You know the Gideons are the ones that put the Bibles in hotels and motels all over the world, literally. Well, one of them, a friend of mine, told me how he got involved. He said uh, he was on a business trip, and a very successful businessman, and he was in New York City, and in his hotel room, he was looking for a pen, and he opened the drawer, and there was a Bible. He was not a believer. In fact, he was an avowed atheist. And he started to shut the drawer, and then he noticed a $5 bill sticking out of the Bible. And he went, hey. <laughs> and he picked up the Bible and opened it to the page where the $5 bill was stuffed in, sticking out a little bit. And written at the top of it, it said, this scripture changed my life. And someone had put a $5 bill in this scripture in a hotel room years ago in my life, and I do it anytime I'm in a hotel room. He read the scripture, and it hit him. And he eventually came to the Lord here in this church, and then he joined the Gideon so he could do the same thing. So he could take a bunch of Bibles in his briefcase, and when he got to a hotel that didn't have a Bible, he'd stick it in there, and what do you think he put in it? five bucks. <laughs> and he's fulfilling this preach the gospel. Encourage people. It changed me. It can change you. Pastor Ed Ray sharing a true story on one of the many ways to get the gospel out. We hope you're encouraged by it to do whatever you can to get the word out. Now to tell us more on how we're to share this glorious gospel that God has entrusted to us from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Here's Pastor Ed on Grow in Grace. 
With all long suffering and teaching, we like to avoid suffering whenever we can. Great patience and careful instruction, another modern translation says. Give someone a convincing argument that says that certain behaviors have consequences, but expect them to give you blowback. Expect them to complain, and, and that's suffering. So you do it even in the midst of suffering. You count the cost at the front end, and you do it anyway, and then you work on this instructing, this teaching thing. So it is the Word, the Bible, not any specific scripture in it, any scripture God will use. So pick the one that works for you, that fits your life, memorize it, and get ready to share it with someone else. And God will take that, maybe with some suffering and some struggles in life, but encourage others with it. So, verse 3, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound instruction, another translation says. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to right teaching, another translation says. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever they want to hear. Okay. So he's talking about the last days in Ephesus, but certainly in the world today, that people will desire teachers that ask little of them spiritually. It's happening in our nation. It's happening around the world. We have a nation that's ripe for revival because it is drifting far from its roots, from God. And I'm speaking to the choir because you're here in church, but many are looking to have their ears tickled when they do go to church. That's what Paul is saying. The opposite is true about the Word of God. It's not just a little quick tickle. We've already talked about it. It's penetrating characteristic, but it also has an addicting side to it. That's the wonder of it. It has a life of its own. It's alive. It's the living Word. That when even you hear it as you are now, as I read it to you, it goes in and makes you hungry for more. Oh, you can ignore it and push it away. But in reality, God is placing within you a hunger for more of this. Go back and read it. Go read it this afternoon. Read ahead. Study for next time. And God will bless you in that with even a greater appetite, verse 4. And they will turn their ears away from the truth, and they will neglect or reject the truth, and be turned aside to fables. Now, the translation says miss. It opens them up to be gullible. But there's a promise in this. If you will subject yourself to the truth of God's Word, it will make you a discerner of falsehoods. If you reject the truth of God's Word, it will make you gullible. That's what this is saying. That if you reject truth right now in your life here, then it will come back and stumble you because you are being gullible, open to other things. I mean, of the cults, the people, some people, of course, are born into the cults and they, they grow up in it. But of most of the people that I know that have come out of them, God had spoken to them and they rejected it. And then later they just said, you know, I didn't like that church, that pastor, that particular way that something was said to me. And then they go looking in the wrong places and they're gullible for falsehoods that they would be open to strange myths, another translation says. Verse 5, last verse. But you, verse 5, be watchful. 
in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. Be watchful, be vigilant, keep your eyes open. A Greek scholar said, keep your head in all situations, to be in a sober mood, calm, collected, wakeful, alert in all things. Why? The word cool, now not, yeah, you know, I'm cool. No, no, this is cool and collected. This is an emergency doctor in the middle of a trauma center with people bleeding all over the place, but stays calm. This is a commercial airline pilot. You know, you want the commercial airline pilot that of the plane you're on to be very cool and calm. You know, the people in the back, they can be screaming during the turbulence. You want him or her up front to be very calm. That's what Paul is talking about here. Keep your cool. Watchful as an observer of our nation, of our times. Be like the men of Issachar. It's a little obscure verse over in 1 Chronicles 12, 32. Be like the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. That's what happens when you allow truth into your life and you respond to it. Then you become a discerner of reality, of truth, the way things really are, and you'll understand the direction that our nation is going, the people we love are going, and we'll be able to pray for them and ask God to do wonders in their life. Endure afflictions. Oh, wait a minute, Pastor. <laughs> that suffering thing. How do we avoid suffering? We all want to avoid suffering, but it's the way that God works truth into our life. If we didn't have struggles and had gone through them with the Lord, we wouldn't be able to help other people in the midst of their own struggles. There's a great old song Andre Crouch wrote. Some of you may remember it. I thank God for the mountains. I thank Him for the valleys. I thank Him for the storms that He brought me through. For if I'd never had a problem, I wouldn't know that God could solve them. I'd never know what faith in God could do. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon the Lord. Endure. Endure, weather the storms, expect attacks, and you will grow. Here's an interesting one. Do the work of an evangelist. Now, this word, evangelizo, means to speak to an unbeliever the word of God. The special person who doesn't know God, who is a heathen. Now, step back from that and look at that a moment. Number one, it's not the calling of Ephesians 4, verse 11, that says that some are called to be evangelists. This word means that you and I all have a call in our life to speak to unbelievers, to non-believers. How are you going to have non-believers to speak to if you don't have non-Christian friends in your life? You have to have non-Christians that you care about before they'll hear you when you speak to them. Now, there's a word of warning in that. If you're a new Christian and not very strong in your faith, be careful. Give God time to establish your faith before you try and go and speak to your non-Christian friends who are still doing what you used to do, and they drag you back down. No, no, just know that when you're influencing your non-Christian friends more than, you're, than they're able to influence you, then you're mature enough to handle this. But the truth is, I have a lot of heathen dog friends in my life. I do it on purpose, and one of them is here this morning. That's why I said heathen dog. And he knows he is. <laughs> and he's just here checking this out. Are there any real people here? Are there any real Christians here? Do these people have problems too, or are they all just phonies, acting like everything's perfect? It's Jesus this and Jesus that. Or are they real? So 
you have to have, I have to have, at least some point in our life as we mature, non-believers who we care about, who show love to them. I care about this guy. He knows it. And God's going to get him, I hope, today. <laughs> so here's the summary. <laughs> Serve Jesus by serving others. Give it away. The thing that changed you is the only thing that will change a human heart. Nothing in this world can change a human being from the inside out except God's Word and the Holy Spirit. Not counsel, not drugs, not vacations, not mind-bending trips. There's nothing that can cure the human heart for eternity except God and His Word. So give it away. Keep saying it. Even when they walk away from you when you have said it. Do it daily. What? Let me close with a true story written by D.L. Moody's son. He's one of the guys that I try and emulate this particular quality. When he got saved, Moody, who was a shoe salesman, radically saved and became an evangelist, kind of the Billy Graham of his day right after the Civil War. And he was enthusiastic, and he said to God, I want to tell a new person every day about Jesus that I've never spoken to before. And that was his goal, that every day he would find someone who he had never spoken to them about God, preach the word. And one night, his son writes, after a particular busy day, he was preparing to go to bed. It was a cold winter night, and he realized he had failed to share the gospel with someone new that day. So he walked over to the second-story window of his Chicago home, and he saw on the street corner below a man standing under a streetlight in an overcoat and hat waiting for a cab. So Moody put on his own overcoat and boots and walked downstairs and out into the cold night air. The man looked shocked as he heard Moody tell him about the love of God for him personally. After he finished, the man told him that he would not be interested. So Moody thanked him for his time, went back inside, and climbed into bed having fulfilled his mission. However, later that night, when the man got home, he told his wife that some crazy man named Moody had accosted him on a street corner in the snow and told him about Jesus. The nerve of the man, he said, before he went to bed that night. But within two days, the man went looking for D.L. Moody because the words that Moody said to him so convicted him that he had to find the man and ask him about it. Something that happened on a cold winter night, on a cold, windy Chicago, snow-filled occasion. A simple act of obedience of sharing God's word with another. When Moody died, his son was there. And here's what he wrote about his father's passing. Earth recedes, awakened from a sleep, Moody said. Earth recedes, heaven opens before me. If this is death, it is sweet. There is no valley here. God is calling me, and I must go. Well, the son, standing by the bedside, said, No, no, Father, you're dreaming. No, said the senior Moody, I am not dreaming. I have seen the gates, and I have seen the children's faces. A few minutes later, he spoke again. This is my triumph. This is my coronation day, and it is glorious. And he breathed his last breath. Thanks for being with us for Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. 
Did you miss a portion of the message, or was there a part you wanted to hear again? Just go online to thepackinghouse.org for a replay. We archive our programs there for you so you can listen anytime you'd like. That's thepackinghouse.org, or listen to us on Apple Podcasts. One more option is to call and ask for a CD copy at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Grow in Grace is made possible through the generosity of our listeners, and we're thankful for each and every gift that comes our way. If you've been blessed by the teaching you've received through this radio program and would like to support what we're doing in this new year, please give us a call at 844-77-GRACE. And as a way of saying thank you, we'll send you Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. This book brings together what Lewis saw as the fundamental truths of Christianity. And in it, he sets out to defend the beliefs that believers through the ages hold in common. And I know you'll be encouraged by what he has to say. So again, you can ask for your copy of Mere Christianity when you give today. Give us a call, 844-77-GRACE. Then join us for the next Grow in Grace as we continue through the Bible with Pastor Ed Ray. This program is brought to you by the Packing House Christian Fellowship and online at packinghouse.org. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing Son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, Let this world know me.